Hey podcast, welcome back. My name is Jasmine Wonders. I am one of your co-hosts along with RJ Rome. Before we jump straight into the episode, I want to take a second to say thank you for being here. And if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe, leave us a comment on social with your thoughts. And now to the episode. is with Maggie Lynn Heron Heidel. Welcome, Maggie Lynn. Thank you so very much for the warm welcome. Do you want to introduce yourself or do you want me to give a brief overview? I can give a brief overview of myself. I am a science fiction and fantasy author and I'm also a comedy filmmaker. I have a number of award-winning books and it is an honor to be on your show. Yes, thanks for joining us. So I did some background and I see that you're a writer, an actress, a director. Is there anything you don't do? Um, well, I'm not very good at cleaning the house. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's my specialty. So. <laughs> so when writing fails, I'll just clean houses. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm relatively creative, so I'm into just about everything. So I imagine you guys do a lot of different things too. We try to. Uh, yeah, a little bit, I guess. I I like to write different things for sure, because I'll dabble in poetry, but I'll I'll still do fiction. I love poetry too. It's it's just so wonderful. I think so many people don't take it appreciatively these days. So good for you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so you write urban fantasy, and I have to be honest, I did not know what that was um, outside of <laughs> the paranormal world. So. Can you explain what it is? I mean, I looked it up. I kind of get the gist of it, but others may not understand what it is. Okay, basically what it is is fantasy, but in a more urban environment. So basically, instead of being like high fantasy where you're like in Narnia or in Lord of the Rings, it's set in a more urban environment. So say in New York City, we'll, we'll start with a, an example. Think of vampires or werewolves there or something like that. So everything done in a more contemporary urban setting. That's basically a very bland idea of it, but that's basically how it works. A lot of people do like shifter novels, and, and it's um, it's actually a pretty broad thing, just so, so long as it's not like a fantasy planet or world or somewhere else. Everything is kind of like on the same earth we're all in right now. Where does your inspiration to write that come from? Real life, actually. Um, being where I live, there are a lot of paranormal things to go on. I live up in Connecticut, you know, where um, Salem witch trials went on and there are a lot of ghosts in places and interesting people have seen a lot of UFOs in our area so you, you, there's never a shortage of um, inspiration really that's neat I think it takes an enormous amount of creativity to write like this like where did you get that from Is are your parents like that um, my mother started me off storytelling when I was very very young she read to me um, my parents actually encouraged me to I was a dancer when I was much, much younger. And they mm -hmm. said, basically, you know, being a dancer is a very difficult career path because it's, um, well, I think most people understand at this point that being a ballet dancer is not an easy task and a lot of people don't make it in the field. So I said, why don't you have something that you're passionate about as a, a fallback? So maybe playwriting. You love the theater. Um, so I started writing my own plays at the time. I actually did a rendition of um, Robin Hood told by Maid Marian time. Mm -hmm. 
And so I started writing when I was really young. And then when I was around 16, I um, started really going for the more fantasy sci-fi end of it. And I'm actually tackling that play right now, turning into a um, sci-fi epic. So it works mm-hmm. out. I'm actually reusing what I wrote so long ago. Wow. When was that? Um, that was back, oh gosh, uh, somewhere around before 2007 at this point. Wow, <laughs> okay. Back. Wow. And there were no reptilians or aliens in that then, so <laughs> it's just kind of morphed since then, so. So you've been writing a really long time then? I don't know if, yeah, I only really took to um, doing it full-time in the last decade, but yes. Okay. I did it more for filmmaking for them. Ah, okay, okay. I think I saw a picture on Instagram of like a pile of books that you had. Does that mean you handwrite everything? Oh, yep. Most uh, I'm a bit stubborn when it comes to technology. I had one of my manuscripts um, two years ago. Like the first 40 pages of a novel go to a virus, so I do not like writing. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm over to, no! <laughs> oh, God. So, never again. Nope. Oh, man. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> I'm, like, anti-handwriting. I have one of those reusable notebooks, so it's, like, eco-friendly. So mm-hmm. I have one of those now. But all of my previous ones, I have, like, 100 notebooks sitting next to me right now at my desk. Wow. Waiting for me to touch them again. So, yeah. <laughs> the trees hate me, but it won't be going anywhere, at least into the computer void. <laughs> right. I mean, I understand completely because I handwrite everything before I actually type it myself. Yeah, understood. A certain way I find it a lot easier for creativity to flow that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about sitting in front of a keyboard, but it just comes so much easier when I'm writing with my hand because I also do a lot of drawing. Maybe that's why. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Do you find it's a daunting task to then go and type everything that you've handwritten? Um, yes and no. I mean, I write usually my style since I'm a screenwriter. I write my books. I don't write out every single word. I like write out the dialogue and then in like brackets between each paragraph, you know, what the action is kind of like you would read a screenplay uh, produced. So when I get to a computer screen, I then fill in all of the elegant writing and the action and make it sound really good. So when you look at my notebooks, it basically says what the characters say, what they do, and that's it. So it's kind of a half on paper, half on a computer, but at least it's a a guideline, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Right. Do you guys use the computer more, or do you, I I know you said that um, you use paper, but Mm -hmm. do you you write every single word out? Uh, No, I wouldn't say that. I I pretty much do a good portion of it, but when when I do go back and type it, I'll add everything I need to then at that point. Okay. And I'm strictly just typing on a computer or my my phone. Well, you've adapted to the digital era better than we have. Then I guess. <laughs> you ever tried the um, dictation, like talking to the computer? I gave that a go the other day, and I just laughed at it because it kept computer didn't know what the heck I was trying to do. Right? Like, yeah, I feel like that would. I'd have to go back and fix too many things. Like, how do you spell this character's name? Didn't work out. <laughs> When you're writing stories, how do, what's the process you go through from developing the characters? Well, developing the characters is actually usually the easiest part for okay. me, at least. Um, I try to think of it as more human level. Ah. Most people have a lot of quirks, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. So many people think, like, especially in urban fantasy, that all of these characters are so perfect. And when you think about it, 
these characters spend at least 12 hours a day sleeping. They use bathrooms. You know, people <laughs> think it's so elegant, but you have to make it, to my opinion, people have to be really real. You know, some people have phobias. They've got idiosyncrasies. So I go down through that list and I say, okay, what do my characters do? Da, da, da. I go down the list that most people do and then I say, okay, what are they afraid of? You know, what do they hate about life? You know, is there a certain kind of... Um, foods that they don't like, and I just kick down the list of all these different various things that most people think are stupid, but I then have pages by the end of it, I say, okay, you know, I've got a little bit of a strange person here, but that makes it all the more real for me, mm -hmm. <laughs> in a certain and like, one of my first characters I wrote for um, my Destiny of Shadow series, that's more of a sci-fi thing, I decided to make it really easy on myself and write somebody, I say this facetiously, who had PTSD, okay. and you really have to go down that list and say, you know, What's going to bother this person? That was not my phone. I didn't know something. I left it in the couch. So, <laughs> sitting on it, it's like, what? My butt is ringing. Okay. <laughs> it's off. Sorry. That's okay. Okay. So, I was basically saying about PTSD and all that. See, in my head, I really have to go down, you know, the character, not only what they want and all of that, but also the things that bother them most. And maybe that's something that a lot of people do for their characters. I don't know, but that's how I usually begin mm -hmm. um and also from a more humorous point of view sometimes you know people are strange mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> from like when you first kind of come up with these characters do they change drastically by the end um not always but most of the time i mean i'm sure you two can really vibe with this but uh I, have you ever got to a point in the book and a character says i won't do that for you they just, yes. you just yes. know they won't do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. I've had I love that, that. Happen. <laughs> I've actually had a couple of times where I've written um, novels that were a, a bad guy was supposed to initially be a good guy. And they morphed, and I'd do such a good job in my head of making them a good guy. I'd then say, I can't do this to them. They'd then not be the villain anymore. <laughs> so it's interesting how that happened. I was the one that. creating the character. Exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> So what is your favorite genre to read? To read, I would say I'm pretty varied. Um, I'm not somebody who just dances. I will only read XXX. And X, and X. Okay. I go into fantasy. I go into sci-fi. I read a lot of self-help books. Um, more or less, there's only a few that I really don't enjoy. Um, like, I've actually found I do not like books that take place in Victorian England because they just bother me so much. And... <laughs> horror books in general those and that sky's the limit do you um write romantic elements in your urban fantasy stories for the most part yes i've had a couple where i didn't but usually there has to be some element of romance or i will get bored to my own writing and that's okay. never a good thing for an no, author definitely not <laughs> i'm a softy at heart so i guess i kind of have to <laughs> my, my books have a chance to be violent and it's that their corks are Action books the way they write but there always has to be that little hint of romance even if it's so small you really don't pay attention to it right. <laughs> so I, I would imagine at certain points you had some form of or your own version of writer's block how do you cope with that and how do you get out of it well that actually feeds back into all the various notebooks i have okay. i'm kind of i have a kind of brain where i cannot just focus on one story and have finished it so i literally will start multiple stories at once so mm. if i get blocked on one i'll then go and work on another until the block disappears i like that which is probably a terrible way to function as a writer because <laughs> you'll be like really into a, a story and then you'll be like 
shoot, I can't go any further with this, then I'll go on to another novel, and it doesn't really play out well with my release schedule, but it works to get rid of any kind of brain infarctions where they just stop working, you know what I'm saying? It makes sense, because Jasmine and I actually have a segment called One-Liners, and it's kind of the premise behind it, that if you're stuck on something you're writing, that you just write something else, and we do like a writing prompt, and it's to show writers that just because you think you're blocked, you're not. You could write something else. So we we totally understand your point. That's very good. I, I really hate that type of stereotype where you, you see people sitting up there. Well, you see it nowadays at the computers, but like in the old days, yes. we'll see people, the typewriters, banging their heads at the desk going, <laughs> I can't get it out. Or ripping up paper after paper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we don't call it writer's block. <laughs> So I don't usually find that to be a problem, but for those of you who do try, I would suggest um, for your uh, listeners, just do something else. You know, life will inspire you. Yes. Do something else creative. I mean, even if you sit outside, you know, if a bird comes and sits on top of you, that's enough to usually spark your imagination, especially for a fantasy writer, you know. Right. Think of this way. This could be some awful creature that's sitting there in the... And the guys were bird, making you go, oh, and then it attacks you, you know, this <laughs> crazy kind of stuff, you know. For other kind of genres, I imagine it's a little less uh, dramatic, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. It sounds kind of like, just like myself, I'm very in my head a lot. So, like, you know, I, I could just be sitting down and kind of completely telling a whole story right there in my head nobody would know it because it looks like I'm watching TV or it looks like I'm you know staring at a piece of paper but I'm really not I'm playing out something else so I'm notorious for doing that in the car like I'll be sitting in the back seat staring into space and I'll be doing that so people will be like can you hear me <laughs> right <laughs> I get it it's like a writer thing I think oh, yeah so how, how do you process that then like what's you can use for stories what's you scrap tendencies i said i write everything down so even if i don't use it now i'll have it forever in case i want to work on something Mm -hmm. um so there really is no processing like saying i don't like this i can't use that i just kind of scroll it all the way and sit on it for as long as i can right do you get do you get ideas from dreams also Yes, I do. I get them more often from daydreaming, okay. but um, definitely from dreams. My first novel, when I really started getting serious about it, when I was uh, 16 year old, years old, mm-hmm. actually did come from a dream. But other than that, most of them have come from the daydreaming end of it. I especially love listening to music while I daydream. So okay. It is the best form of working. You know, you can say, I'm working here, and of course, you're just inside your own brain. Right. <laughs> Right. Most people don't get that. <laughs> Are you writing full time? Um, dipping it up between the comedy film, a company I have with my mother, we're business partners. I'd say that's about fifty fifty split. So, yes and no. It's to both of the kind of writing done for that working are not done at normal hours. So I would say it's not like I sit at a desk from nine to five writing or opposite doing filming so i'd say kind of half of my time doing both mm. or sometimes just juggling it and trying to figure out what the heck i'm doing <laughs> to be honest was there a reason you decided to self-publish 
Um, quite honestly, because I have a lovely mentor, man, who I spoke with, Mike Pettit. He's a fantastic crime author. If anybody who's listening wants to check him out, um, I spoke with him one afternoon. He's absolutely fantastic. They started talking about his publishing experience to me, which he basically said, "Don't do it." You know, self-publishing is <laughs> the way to go. <laughs> and leaving out all details he really got me into it he taught me a bunch of wonderful things um and i went from there and i love the fact that i have such creative control over everything while i have an editor who will give me feedback and i have a number of beta readers there's nobody sitting at a desk at uh, harper collins or somewhere like that who's gonna say i don't like this you know this brings up a, a tricky racial issue or a tricky religious issue throw it away mm-hmm. <laughs> there are so many people who just won't are actually getting fed up with the main publishing industry because they don't have enough diversity. So it's actually wonderful to be able to control your own work. I mean, the marketing end of it is a lot more complicated in a certain sense, but you know, it is levels. You guys, you guys are both indie published too, correct? We are. Mm -hmm. Okay. I always make sure to ask that. I should should have actually asked it sooner because I usually will say things and say, I don't want to offend anybody. (laughs) (laughs) No no offense taken at all. (laughs) That's honestly one of the reasons we started this podcast, to give indie authors more of a a voice to get themselves out there. Because it is a difficult world to enter. And we just want to be supportive of those trying to live out their dreams. You know, it's so wonderful having everybody come in and insert their own voice these days. It's just fantastic, my PA too. So I, I applaud you both for starting this podcast. Thank you. Just before we started this interview, RJ and I had this conversation about, you know, whether it's best to, I guess, publish with, you know, Amazon exclusively or, you know, Kindle Unlimited, <laughs> or whether you go the route of publishing it everywhere. What's been your experience with that, and do you have a preference? Well, um, I'll, I'll tell you my story first. When I started back in 2017, um, I went exclusive with Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I found it worked for the first year or so, that being because there were far less books up. Mm-hmm. And now that the market has been flooded, and Amazon has decided to cash in on that, they're now basically, I'm not sure how much you two are familiar with uh social media and reach algorithms all that excuse me algorithms mm-hmm. they basically now tanked people's reach on amazon um so you have to pay literally to get to the top of a search result list so i'm looking at that and i'm saying so you now have to pay to be seen by consumers more and i'm looking at that about six eight months ago i'm saying this is not working you know i'm watching so many authors rise on the top and they're paying so much for ads i'm not going to slam amazon for making money i mean that's their but they should not be monopolizing so much and looking at how many people are now publishing on there and then i've got um, kindle publisher rocket and i started looking at how many titles there are in each genre and blah 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 blah. i said this is too much so i'm going to try to go into why publishing now and what i've been seeing now is i've actually a lot of authors have been telling me since the quarantine started, their sales have tanked, and they're mm. not getting sales, and where are the sales that are actually happening in the book market going? They're mostly going to people who are paying for ads. Mm. So I started looking at things, and I said, okay, let me go to my other sites, like Kobo and Barnes & Noble. I haven't really given them much marketing thought yet, because I started this, and I'm seeing, wait a minute, I'm getting sales here, 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 uh, Barnes Noble Kobo going down the list, and I haven't even put marketing into there. 
it must just be that mm. um, people are seeing them more. So I, I'm really starting to say to myself and to other authors, it might be in your best interest to try foraying into other markets. Because, I mean, Barnes Noble's nook is barely hanging on at this point. Right. I don't want to see their company go, go up in smoke or Kobo. They do it through Walmart now. Right. So mm-hmm. I tend to think, you know, for people who are not looking at this as their full-time I want to be serious, definitely Amazon. If you want to be considered serious as an author, definitely go wide. It's much better, I think, in the mainstream, and you get way more countries. Um, you know, like Amazon isn't in certain countries right now, so you can go into other markets that you didn't even know existed. Like India right now, I'm seeing people picking up my novels, and Amazon, they never really got them. So it works out. Well, that's a comfort for me because I've been struggling. I published my debut in May of 2019. Oh, congratulations. And thank you. And I've been struggling for a year with it, and it was on KU for an entire year. And some months were great and some months nothing. Yeah. And I've kind of seen what you've seen is I'm not paying for ads. I don't have money to pay for ads. So there's such I, a wide um learning curve with ads the first part well that's the other thing it's incredibly confusing so i'm not just going to throw money at it and hope i find the right the right way to post the ad but i just recently decided to go wide and i haven't seen the success yet so i'm I'm impatient i'm going to give it more time (laughs) obviously but i've kind of seen what you've seen like i have great reviews why am i on page one million exactly (laughs) yep I look at it, and I was looking at my numbers, and I was like, reviews are there, I have one official bad review, and that's somebody gave me one star because it was a short story, and they didn't read that, and they said, this isn't a full novel, screw you. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at it, I was like, why am I not being seen? It's the right. algorithm point, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so I would definitely stick with wide for now. If well, anything, it gives you a much broader chance of being seen. Right, that's great advice. As for the ads, if you ever do, I will say this. I tried running a couple of weeks ago, and I did lots and lots of research on it. The thing that a lot of people have to realize is you are not going to immediately make money on ads. Until you test it and fine-tune it for weeks and sometimes months, you're going to lose money hand over foot. Right. So if you have a budget that's really small, it is probably not going to be the best thing for anybody. Um, For larger authors that are going full-time ahead, yeah, but... For us smaller people, not so much right now. So do you have a suggestion for somebody who may not have money to place those ads as far as, like, uh, social media campaigns? Is there anything that anyone could do, in your opinion, to counteract placing an ad to get out there? That's a very, very multi-channel question, actually, because social media works so differently for everybody who's on it. I'm seeing... I've been on social media since 2000, oh gosh, uh, 10. We started with the film company, so I've seen kind of how social medias have mutated and morphed and all that. I'll just go down each and every individual one so I can give basically what I've learned so that people can formulate their own things. I don't want to say, like, Instagram is so great because I see so many people who are like, this doesn't work for me. Um <laughs> It's, it's, it's so difficult for everybody else. I mean, for social media, just to talk about that generally, you know, Facebook, one to two people, not, not people, excuse me. I, I've jacked myself up here talking, excuse me, so I'm going too fast. One to two percent of people will see your posts. That's just a given number. 
And that's starting to happen with Instagram as well. So you have to keep that in mind. Whenever you post on social media, half of the people, minimum at this point, will not see what you're posting. Mm -hmm. I recommend very highly everybody has their own website at this point. And considering there are so many different sites that, um, you know, WordPress has their own plans that are free and all that, just to start off with before you really get at it, You've got to start doing that to have your own space in the internet because Facebook could disappear in a day, Instagram could delete your account, and then, good God, where are all your readers? (laughs) (laughs) And I'd say an email list is essential at this point. Um, There are really huge communities on sites like Bookcave, and Story Origin is starting out right now. Um, They're a lovely company. Um, They're trying to help people build up their readerships. And you can... The thing I see that has worked best for building readership is actually reader magnets. Um, basically like putting up, say, a short story or a prequel or something like that and saying, it's free as long as you give me an email address. And people really like that. And then what they tend to do is if you email them again, they'll start going down your, your catalog of books and coming back um, and reading your stuff. And when you have a new review, you can say, look, do you want to be an ARC reader for this? You give me your honest review. I'll give you the book copy for free digitally. And when you start getting that and a lot of reviews on whatever channel you choose to sell it from, the more reviews I see, the more uh, time you're going to get on whatever retailers. You know, if you're well-reviewed, they're going to want to feature you more. I think I answered the question you guys you wanted. You did, <laughs> yes. Very good. <laughs> I will say one thing, though, things like um, – Kobo and all them and Apple now I'm getting into, into each and every one I've, I've been publishing through Drafts Digital I'm sure you're familiar with the name at this point um, and a couple of others where they will distribute your books for you mm-hmm. I'm actually seeing places like Kobo and Apple you really should do it through their sites individually because they have different promotional programs you can take advantage of different things Kobo if you request to be added to their promotional community I haven't done this yet personally. I'm actually starting to do that. So if I'm wrong, guys, let me know. Um, They'll have different promotions running. And you can get included in that. Your book will be seen more. And each and every platform has a different community to work with. So it all depends really on that. And also, you know, where are your readers? Sometimes they're not actually on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So it works out. Like I I discovered, um, looking at my analytics the last couple of weeks, you know, looking at my email list, which is where a lot of people find out information and stuff. You know, all of my readers are about 45 years old. And I'm looking at it, I was like, why is that? And I start looking down and I start seeing demographics of different sales things. You know, they're not on certain retail book sites that are more popular with millennials. Same thing with social media. So it's really, really good tools to start looking through things and start considering that. Well, everybody better be listening because Maggie Lynn is a best-selling author. she knows what she's talking about (laughs) thank you i'm still learning every day so i'm not going to sit here and pretend to be the expert and things change but Uh, i do every day it's ridiculous just looking at how oh facebook started out uh, which is one of the first channels i started really going through back in 2010 you know you'd put out a post out hundreds of people would like it minutes you know now it's like two likes and then they right. the third one and i'm like two thousand people have liked this page hello where are you all <laughs> it's, it's really crazy <laughs> the one thing i've learned is large numbers on any platform does not mean anything mm-hmm. you know you may have 
millions of fans liking your page, like, oh, I'll go with some Kardashian. I, I ran her uh, Instagram profile through a um, an analyzer, and I was looking at it. She has a 1.66 percentage rate of engagement on her profile. Mm-hmm. So when you multiply that by her millions, how many people are actually seeing what she posts every day? <laughs> right. Right. And so if she's having these kind of issues, I don't feel bad at all for having the same, and nobody, nobody else should. So yeah. when you actually have smaller amounts of followers who are more engaged, you actually do far better. Right. That's a good point. Very good point. So you mentioned earlier you work with your mother. What is that yes. dynamic like? We fantastically get together very well, and okay. we think alike. Um so there's no, like, cat fights, though I'm sure our fans, so we have actually a very large male viewership with joy cat fight between the two of us, but we get along great, which is wonderfully and so rare these days. I mean, I'll compare it to my relationship with my father, which is kind of like watching World War Four erupt every time we get along, but we actually get along pretty well, we're pretty creative, and I'll give her a lot of credit for getting to be really open-minded and creative to my childhood so she has a lot of influence on the novels and she's actually involved with my writing business because she is my editor actually oh, wow. and i know that's oh, awesome there's a stigma about mothers being editors blah 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 she was an english major she was in magazine publishing so she knows what she's doing and i actually went into the profession that she wanted originally she wanted to be a writer so it's, it kind of works out and she really enjoys reading what I write, and I, I read, she writes, she writes more poetry, and then we write the, um, the films together, and produce them, and act in them, and all that, and we actually, another collaboration we did, was we did a couple of, uh, children's books, two years ago together, mm-hmm. so we get along fabulously, <laughs> thank God, <laughs> awesome, all right, so we have only a couple minutes left, okay. tell us what's on the horizon, what are you, what's coming out next, well, I have a couple of things coming out this year. I'll list them off quickly without getting into detail because I have a lot of people, um, they're sequels. So they're not like firsts in a book series. So I have my Destiny in the Shadow series, the much um, anticipated third book, Blood War, will be coming out this summer. Um, I have Wings of Caligo's sequel coming out. I have Bactar of All Realms coming out, third book, hopefully around holidays. Um, I actually have the Robin Hood book floating around here um, somewhere in the next couple of months. I'm not sure. It's one of those projects where I haven't quite committed to it yet. So mm-hmm. that's out there right now. And what I'm currently doing is every week during quarantine, I'm releasing a new chapter of my dystopian action series, Del Muerto, Sanctum of Hell. So if anybody wants to check that out, it is at my website, MaggieLynnHerenHeidel.com. And every Friday, a new chapter comes out. I'll be shortly releasing the entire novel to everybody who has been requesting it. Funnily enough, everybody who wanted the weekly chapters is now getting upset that I'm not releasing quicker, so I have to. <laughs> well, that's a good sign. Good <laughs> sign. There's also like pressure. Where did you all come from, right? Right. <laughs> so I'm happy about that, but every Friday, and I'm also turning it into a podcast because I have a number of uh, audio. I shouldn't say audio. A lot of people who have vision problems who want to hear it verbally. Mm. So that'll be out there. Awesome. So I'm incredibly busy, but never stop creating. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, best of luck to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We learned a lot and we mm. wish you much success. Okay. Thank you so very much for inviting me on. You two have been absolutely lovely. Thank you. Best with your ventures as well. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. If you made it this far, you survived another episode of Married to My Writing. Check out our next episode when we talk with the lovely and talented Callie Brixton. Until next time. (gasps) Oh, my God.